0: If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 4? We have been walking through the Gospel of Luke together, and we've titled this, this um, series The Story for Sinners and Sufferers. Because in the Gospel of Luke, something, something unique to the Gospel is that it places Jesus In all of these interactions where we're looking from the earth to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, has come down to seek and to save the lost. And in in these moments when he's seeking and saving the lost, they are some of the most real, vivid, raw moments of Jesus' ministry that we get to look at. And so while you're turning there to Luke chapter 4, I want to tell you a little story that I was thinking about this week as I was reflecting on this passage. It reminded me of this time that we were in Guam, and this is when we had uh, Tavia was like a newborn, um, we had Elliot was one, and Gabe was two, um, because our, the order is like that. And, and, um, but this was the time I wasn't home. But in in our house where we lived, it was surrounded kind of by some jungle area. So there was this big jungle area on this side, and then there was another kind of jungle area on the other side. And we had this big open yard with these big windows that we could see all around our yard in. And the thing about Guam is that there are a ton of stray cats and a ton of stray dogs. And the stray dogs, it's kind of crazy because the dogs are like very American-looking dogs. And it's a really sad history of how they all got in the jungle and all kind of bred, but they travel in packs and they can be pretty dangerous if you, like, try to go up to them. But the cats are also very, very pretty kind of looking American cats and they're all over the place. And if you can befriend one of them, they can come and they can kind of reside, they can choose to reside, right, in your house because that's what cats do. Um, And when you have a, a stray cat, kind of adopting you as their family, to which cats do, um, they keep all of the snakes out. They keep the snakes away from, from your house. And if you can get one inside your house and actually be your pet, then they can eat the cockroaches. It is super cool to have a cat in Guam. So we, were, we knew these benefits, so we became cat people in Guam for these benefits. Um, But one day, this is a a sad day because one day Amy calls me in a panic and and I'm answering the phone and she's telling me and she's describing to me that she's looking outside of the window of looking out in our yard. And when cats are malnourished, one of the things that they'll do is that they'll hunt down litters and eat the kittens. And there was a cat, a mother cat, that was taking all of her kittens and trying to move them from where she had delivered them and she's trying to put them in different places in in our yard and there's this huge tomcat that was hunting them and killing them all in the yard and Amy is describing this to me and she sees this this cat as soon as she hangs up she tells me about this later tells me to come home because she needs help helping these cats, but the motherly instinct as she's holding her babies, she's seeing a a mother cat holding her babies, trying to save them. And this maternal rage, if you will, comes. and Amy grabs this broom, and she's like swinging it, coming outside of the house, trying to like knock this cat down, and, and it's like scurrying around, and it's just this mad scene of... Amy coming in, banishing the enemy from the, from the yard as it's, you know, trying to scurry away and it's trying to eat all of these little kittens. But the mother cat somehow in this moment started taking the kittens and bringing them to the door and dropping the little kittens off at the door. And there were other kittens that, that were like in different places. But this moment was reflective because you see Amy's kind of authority over this situation. She's looking at everything and she's like, this will not last. I cannot sit here and not do anything. And her, and her heart's going out to the, little, to the little mother cat. And we end up saving three cats. We ended up saving three cats. And then we had a total of like five, I think, at that point. Um, we ended up kind of giving them away and different stuff. And I found one later in a tree. One of the little kittens was in a tree. And they can't see very well, so it was just up in like this little tree spot calling out. It was really sad. We named him Mark Jr., and he was, he was cool. Um, but anyway, when I was thinking about these little kittens, and I was thinking about Amy taking this broom, trying to brush away this cat, and trying to put away... Put and cast him out, and he's residing kind of like in the bushes there. And you see this mother dropping off these kittens. It's looking; these kittens are looking for like a safe space, right? A safe place, a place where they can be, uh, you know, taken care of. And our intention is not to keep the cats, but our intention is to keep them so that they would later be free. And to to give them back to the mother eventually, right, as we could do that. And it was this whole kind of messy process of that. And as I was thinking about this passage this morning, as I was thinking through the dynamics, that the Christian life is not one that is always straightforward and clear-cut, but it's one that's surprising and has nuance and has dynamics to it, that we need an authority over to help clarify and speak over us in a way that we can understand what's happening to us. Because in all of these different moments of life, they will feel like, sometimes like that. Where you have a dramatic scene. You have multiple perspectives going on at once. And the question is, If I'm seeking out clarity in these moments of my life, when I'm looking at these dramatic moments, what is God in Jesus? What is Jesus teaching me in these moments? How is He displaying His goodness to me? This morning's passage, we have three dynamics of Jesus' ministry to His people. Those, Those dynamics I'd like to explore with you there's His authority. His liberation to captives and his crusade. Because here in chapter 4, we discover the astonishing authority of Jesus displayed through his teaching, through liberating a captive, and by igniting his crusade against the kingdom of darkness. So let's pray before we begin. God, would you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts so they may feel and sense and understand your goodness help us now lord in christ's name amen so in the previous scene just just last week we were looking at jesus this jesus of nazareth, nazareth going back to his hometown to announce his mission and his ministry into the synagogue in this moment that we're seeing now, is not necessarily a a chronological order that Matthew would like to put of Jesus' miracles, but Luke is trying to demonstrate to us and show a thematic order. Meaning, this is a a beginning of Jesus' ministry in a highlighted moment of what Jesus is going to be doing. When he came out and he said, I am going to... Seek the captives. I'm going to heal the blind. I'm going to save the oppressed. When he said all these things in Nazareth, now we get to see the beginning of that actually practiced. Jesus has started his ministry. So let me turn your attentions first to verses 31 through 32 where it says this. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. Now we'll pause there and we'll look at Mark 1 sharing the same message which says in a similar way, the same people, same moment, they were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority and not like the scribes. So Mark adds this little addition here of not like the scribes. And what's important that I want us to focus on and why I bring that up is because we want to, I want to look at two words, astonished and authority. If you have a pen, if you have a highlighter, if you take notes or anything, I want you to underline or write those two words down, astonished and authority. Because the word astonished is not a descriptive in every single teaching that Jesus gave. But it's kind of a unique moment that we should be aware of and take notice of. Because astonished, it means like to strike panic, right? It means to shock, thunderstruck, right? To be in awe, like beyond in awe. It's more than being captivated, it's it's being stuck in place. Being astonished doesn't necessarily mean being changed. We can be astonished by a message, and we can leave unmoved. We can be held captive and stuck in awe in one moment, and yet in another be fleeting and not remember anything. So, astonished alone is not authoritative. But with Jesus, that's what's so important about this other word, authority. Authority is what Jesus brings. And this astonishing authority is what is presented to these people. What was different from his teaching than the scribes was this authority. This authority was real. And the root of authority is author, which is that authority which allows growth and life, which I've never really considered before. I've never considered the word authority. I've always thought of it as someone kind of in charge, and in a sense, it is definitely that, but it's even deeper than that when when you put that term author in there. But what does it show us? It shows us that authority in action, true authority in action, is not restraining, but liberating. Authority through Jesus is one that does not restrain but that grows, one that liberates, one that frees. Jesus leverages his authority not to control everyone but to give life to everyone what's powerful about John 3, verses 14 through 16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up. Why? Verse 15, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. The authority of Jesus is astonishing because it is one that does not restrain, it is one that gives. It is one that lifts up, that grows. Jesus is given authority to save. So let me ask you then, if we have this example of Jesus of what it looks like in action, what does authority sound like? In our current climate, there is a great deal of confusion over having authority because we often confuse it with being authoritarian, right? Authoritarians seek control whose actions and speech are loud, whose actions and using there, there's a equal heightened level of aggression and sense of control. That's authoritarian's. But authority isn't loud. Authority is lucid. Authority is clear. Jesus displays his authority by teaching with clarity. Jesus' clarity is in tandem with conviction as he is the word. Right, John 1. Jesus is the word. His words pierce Through darkness, and they reveal truth. Jesus speaks with authority, and in that, it isn't necessarily loud, it's clear. It's it's a word spoken through darkness that is pure light and that reveals what is true. Jesus says, Or Paul says about Jesus that he will bring light to things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. His words speak to his ministry then and now. That is what is entirely different about Jesus than any other speech that is made, which is Jesus' words are clear and pierce through Deception and pierce through loudness. And as he is the word of God, we have this benefit as his church because the church that speaks the word of God with clarity and conviction following Jesus' example, because Jesus is the word and speaks words clear, clearly, speaks with clarity, He bestows on the church and he bestows on his children through the Holy Spirit the ability to share the gospel clearly. And our convictions are not just wild streams of passion. Our convictions are in tandem with gospel clarity. And that's the difference that we need to distinguish between gospel clarity and gospel ambiguity, right? If the message is not about Jesus, but about a moral how-to fix it, using kind of a Christianese language, the gospel will not be clear. Jesus will not be in that message. It will merely be a clenched fist how-to leading in frustration After frustration. But when we keep our messages on Jesus, when we keep on our messages on him and him alone, and the power that he has to transform lives in the church, in the world, through his people, through his disciples, then we get to witness Jesus' clarity. And authority through his word that's when light begins to pierce darkness so we have a responsibility Paul tells Timothy when he's asking what what are the most important things that you can do in your ministry as you're, as in this new church it says in 2 Timothy 2 be diligent to present yourself as one approved a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed correctly teaching, The word of truth. It can be so easy to get distracted in all the everyday movings of life where the gospel and those those things that are true that Jesus shows us begin to be unclear. But with the Holy Spirit, Jesus reveals what is true and he reveals what is good. And he brings us along and opens our eyes in a way that we get to join him in his effort of ministry. What an honor. What a blessing that we have to be Christ's ambassadors going out before the world into all of the dark places and to speaking truth in them. Jesus displays his authority by teaching with clarity. And as Jesus is speaking to this crowd, people are astonished by his words. And then something strange happens. This demon-possessed man suddenly just interrupts Jesus by yelling and distracting everyone. So everyone's heads turn all to this guy. So let's read verses 33 through 35 together, where we see Jesus displays his authority by liberating a captive in the synagogue there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice leave us alone what do you have to do with us jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god but jesus rebuked him and said be silent and come out of him And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Now, it's worth noting that this man was in the synagogue this whole time. And no one noticed. It's kind of freaky. But then again, Satan was in Eden. So really, it really shouldn't surprise us that if Satan can be in Eden, that this man can be in the synagogue it is not a question of discovering where evil resides but revealing evil's intent and displacing its shelter let me say that phrase again it is not a question of discovering where evil resides but revealing evil's intent and displacing its shelter foul things like to hide in the darkness. As foul things scurry away from light when you lift up a rock, evil spirits too, lovers of darkness, recoil at the light of Christ. James 2, verse 19, he says, even the demons believe and they shudder and that's an interesting word here, that shudder, which is also described in this moment, when, what this man is doing. Shudder is this word that is uh, fasun, literally meaning bristling like a, a frightened cat. Like the, you know, the that. That's what that means. Which I think is kind of an odd and kind of funny term when you think about it. That this shuddering that demons have when the light of Christ comes before them is, in a sense, very disarming. Well, it's completely disarming to them, but it disarms our fear of what they are. Because as soon as light is revealed in darkness, the things that hide there are now exposed, right? It's like this, it's like the raccoon that was hiding on our porch, like one night. Our kids, we were watching a movie on Friday night, movie night. We're watching this movie, and we can just kind of see this shadow image kind of out on our patio. And all of us are trying to figure out what it is because it looks like a bear. You know, from – raccoons are huge here, right? They're, they're very big. They're, like, looking like dogs. And they're, they're really, yeah, really, really big. And especially in our area, they're huge. But there's this shadow thing moving around. It's like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings, you know? You're like, I see it, but I don't know what it is, you know? And all of the kids are rushing up, and we're trying to look through, and then we're trying to figure out what it is. And then what's the thing that you do when they come on your patio? Flip on the lights, right? And as soon as we did that, as soon as I, as soon as I did that, which I felt like hero dad, I'm, all of a sudden, the fear that my kids had has now been dispelled. Because they see this very awkward looking raccoon kind of like looking at us and they're looking at him and he's looking at us and then he just kind of scurries away. It's light that reveals what's hidden in darkness. And as soon as that happens, the fear can be dispelled. That is the spiritual field where the light of Jesus falls the impure powers that thrive in the darkness disappear, and our perspective of understanding the demonic influence and oppression then must be held in the right kind of perspective. One that this text, this passage, shows us. In the introduction to the Screw Tape Letters, C.S. Lewis he says that we kind of have this tendency to have somewhat of a pendulum swing when it comes to Spiritual warfare and spiritual oppression. He says there are kind of two equal opposite errors that we tend to do that Satan and demonic forces are totally happy with. In one sense, we can move the pendulum too far where we can say that we don't believe in it. Or maybe it's there, but it really doesn't affect me. Kind of having that disbelief in their existence. But then on the other side of the pendulum... It's to believe too much in their power and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. Kind of looking for it, if you will. And C.S. Lewis kind of makes this note that the devils are equally pleased if we can be on one side of the pendulum or another. Where this passage helps us keep our perspective that Jesus has total authority and there's nothing that Jesus can be hidden from and the light of Christ shines on darkness in every nook and cranny and in every moment. Jesus, when opening and revealing the darkness, the light will stay and disperse anything that's in it. The truth is, once this light breaks in, we begin to see another element of Jesus. We get to see that Jesus displays his authority by igniting his crusade. So let's read verses 36 through 37. It says, Amazement came over them all, and they were saying to one another, What is this message for he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power and they come out and news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. So this man comes before Jesus, demon possessed, he's crying out all of these different things. Jesus rebukes him and in the demon's last effort he throws the man down but Jesus through his power and authority, the, the man is unharmed, and everyone is amazed, and they're all standing there. And then this passage just tells them, that they go out and they tell everybody else about it. So what does it mean for Jesus to ignite his crusade? Crusade, it does have a negative connotation of history, and I think for good reason, but the term is when used as a verb, is to lead or to take part in vigor for spiritual change. Two perspectives are worth noting when Jesus is igniting his crusade. When his authority is seen, when his authority is felt, when people are astonished, in awe of what Jesus is doing. These two perspectives are worth considering. First, the response of the people in amazement. This is Jesus' power and authority, and when that happened, lives change. Lives are transformed because Jesus is on the scene. He alone can save through these spirits that seem to be overwhelming in this world. But the second element that I want to show you in Jesus' mission and his ministry, when his authority is expressed, is that there's another response and another perspective, not just from the people who are being saved, but through the enemy. What is the perspective of the enemy, of the unclean spirits? It's terror, shuddering like a cat. Jesus is on the scene. Therefore, there is now fleeing. There is a fight-or-flight mentality. There's a challenge to try to challenge Jesus. But as soon as that happens, it is like a cat coming up to a mother with a broom. It's not going to happen, right? We can't forget that Jesus came to save the lost and destroy the enemy. By liberating captives His ignition of warfare Is a crusade of silencing The works of the devil And lives of the oppressed While drawing sinners And sufferers like us Into his embrace Jesus' authority is liberating First John 3 The Son of God was revealed for this purpose To destroy the devil's works. These moments in this passage are testimonies of the battles won during Jesus' ministry. But battles are are, are small in comparison to the victory of war. Church, it's easy for us to live in a framework of wondering if the small battles that we have in our everyday lives will really be won. And if we can ha- and it's hard for us to maintain confidence that Jesus has already been victorious over this the entire war. When we live our day-to-day lives, we're confronted with challenge after challenge. And depending on your demeanor and depending on your your kind of attitude towards these things and even the severity of these moments, the question I have before you, if a a challenge is coming up in your mind, do you think first of Jesus' authority over your life? Do you think first of Jesus and his loving embrace to bring you, to sweep you in so that you would rest in his authority so that you would rest in his control and so that you would remain confident in what he can do because what Jesus tells us his followers is something I think we need to continually preach to ourselves and speak to ourselves in Ephesians 6 he says finally Be strengthened in the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So, what does that mean? It means. When I come to Jesus, when I give my life to Jesus, suddenly, through the Holy Spirit, I become aware that the challenges and battles that I see visually, there's a completely other set of spiritual battles that are invisible. And all of a sudden, areas in my life where I may have felt tormented in Areas of my life where I felt oppressed in. I'm now feeling a new sense of freedom. And Jesus shines his light into those moments and opens up for me a sense of understanding through the Holy Spirit where I'm now able to see the actual realities of at hand. But now, I don't have to have fear. When I'm looking at this full scenario, Jesus doesn't leave me there Jesus strengthens me. Jesus strengthens you to face moments of spiritual warfare, to face moments of discouragement, of oppression, of captivity, of anything that you're feeling in your life. And to say, I have not left you, I have strengthened you. Anything that you come forward in, I will be with you. So we can say in confidence, just like St. Patrick's uh, breastplate in the hymn, that Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ to my right, Christ to my left, Christ all around me. Every single moment of opposition that I will face, I will never be alone in. But in fact, I will be strengthened in through Jesus. That is worth praising God for. Because Jesus does not leave us vulnerable. He says, come to me who are weary. Come to me if you're vulnerable. And I will strengthen you. Not by your own strength, but by mine. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful? That Jesus would come to us. And in his light, show us himself and strengthen us and give us the ability to go out. What do we get to do? We get to speak clearly of Jesus. We get to speak his words. And his words are what pierce through the darkness. And in those moments when we will experience spiritual warfare, We stand confident and strengthened in our full armor of God, knowing that we too were once captives and Jesus liberated us. So we get to stand in faith that he's gonna do it again. And as we do this, friends, we are walking with Jesus in his ministry to see his vigor of spiritual change in this city in the world in our families in our friends in our workplaces everywhere you go say Christ before me Christ behind me Christ to my right Christ to my left Christ all around me because there there is the authority of Jesus not in us but in him and in him alone. When we walk out, when we walk into the areas of dark darkness, we confess that Jesus is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, ruler of all. And he's got us. So, as we surrender to Jesus' authority, he draws and shows us his presence and teaches us. Friends, I want to encourage you that whatever difficulty that you are facing, whatever moment you've had where you've experienced a form of oppression, a form of captivity, of a spiritual captivity, Jesus is not leaving you alone. Don't believe the lie that says the devil is big and you are all alone. Don't believe that. Because of Jesus, because of his power, through the Holy Spirit, we are never alone. He is always with us. And let these moments encourage you that it's all about him. It's all about His grace. And as He brings us in, and we walk out in confidence that we get to stand together and our perspectives are clear, our mission is clear, and our love for Him is ever-growing because He is the one who rescued us, gave us the liberation, Teaches us his power and has us walk with him in his mission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, bringing to you all of the areas of confusion in our lives, all of the unknowns all of the distractions, all of the loud voices and ask that the Holy Spirit would speak the word to us clearly that Jesus has authority and in Jesus' authority is goodness and truth and beauty and there we find liberation. Thank you, God, for liberating us for who identify as Jesus' disciples so that we may be strengthened in our mission to go out and declare the wonderful works of Jesus and help us continue to do so. In Christ's name, amen.